Welcome to Commons and Chronicles, the podcast where we talk about all the best creative commons and reusable open game license content. If you need resources for your creative writing, game design, or you just love lore, Commons and Chronicles is for you. Chronicles and Commons. In this episode, I want to talk about herbalism and alchemy. Before I get started, I'd like to mention one more time that we have a blog now, mixedsignals.ml. If you go there, uh, previously, if you went there, it was mostly a blank page. Now, if you go to mixedsignals.ml, then you will find a gaming blog. There are some articles about general gaming interests, such as video game retrospectives, book reviews, and so on. But more to the point, you'll find gaming resources, such as dungeon traps or cursed items. And in the future, of course, we'll have quite a lot more than just those. Posts are daily right now, so you will get something new every day, Monday through Friday, as long as you visit the page. Or, of course, if you are an RSS or Atom Feed user, then you can subscribe to our RSS feed and just get it delivered to you on a daily basis. I encourage you to do one of those things, and uh, certainly if you do happen to be actively reading the blog, please do comment. Leave us comments, leave us suggestions, leave us feedback. We appreciate it. Whilst on the subject of blogs in general, I'd like to mention campaignwiki.org slash RPG. CampaignWiki.org is a great website in general, but specific to this conversation is the RPG blog Planet. A Planet, in blog terms, is a website that aggregates a bunch of RSS feeds from blogs and displays them all in one convenient location. In other words, it's a way for you to see the daily posts of 20, 30, 40 RPG-related bloggers all in one location. You can download the collection that this planet creates as an OPML or Atom feed, and then add it to your own feed reader if you are someone who uses an RSS or Atom feed reader. Otherwise, you can just go to this page, campaignwiki.org slash RPG, and view them there, whatever you prefer. The reason I'm mentioning this is because, well, by the time you hear it, Mixed Signals blog might well be on that page itself. And either way, I think it's worth mentioning that there is a blog scene out there still. Some people have commented lately to me that they're not really clear on how healthy the blog scene is on the internet anymore, what with the the dissolution of things like Google Reader and and even things like Google+, Plus, which I didn't really know was part of the blog scene, but maybe it was. Whatever the case, it, it strikes me that people in search of content on the internet these days are more and more frequently defaulting to sort of the big, big conglomerate websites to discover content. And that kind of concerns me because independent media is always, has always been near and dear to my heart. I, I feel like independent media is one of the most important voices that people have. And the internet is, used to be, and, and still can be, 
a great conduit for that sort of content. Stuff that people who have no business being published in any form can be published for free to anyone on the internet. But if we continue to support sites that serve as gateways to being published, whether the price of publication is your personal data or just your participation in a form that maybe you don't actually want to participate in, but you know that you have to sign up in order to get your stuff listed on the site, or whether the price is your eyeballs to view ads, whatever it may be, I feel like that's that's a, a great way to harm independent media. So supporting direct publication of people's ideas, people's content, it's really important. And if you are interested in RPGs, RPG content, RPG mechanics, lore, fantasy worlds, world building, storytelling, whatever it may be, then consider taking an active role. Even if it's just as a reader, support those places where people are putting their content for free. Be there, respond, give feedback, be a part of that community. Because otherwise there's a very real danger that it's going to get moved to some place that not everyone does have access to. And we definitely don't want that. So again, that's campaignwiki.org RPG for the RPG RSS planet. Okay, so that was my PSA for the episode. Now for the actual episode. This one is not unlike my episode on gem socketing. If you've not heard that episode, it's available on the RSS feed, of course. 1x4 is what it's numbered. It's about all about gem socketing, which is the idea of upgrading items and, and powers using magical gemstones. And I, I quite liked the... I reviewed two, two different rule sets from two independent authors on on how to incorporate that into your game, and I quite liked those. Lately, I've been thinking about two other areas of, I guess you could call it crafting, that are a little bit underdeveloped in the current rule sets of, of well, certainly D&D 5th edition, which, which really basically has nothing, as far as I can tell. And then Pathfinder, even, which I think the most common critique about Pathfinder is that it has too many rules, not by me, but by others. And and even that, I don't feel, has a great method for incorporating herbalism and alchemy. Those are two different disciplines, I realize that, but they are, they are somewhat related in that they both imply a little bit of maybe scientific experimentation slash craftiness, and one might incorporate the other, arguably. Although, flavor-wise, I feel like an herbalist probably is more druidic, whereas an alchemist might be seen as more wizardly. But I do want to look at a couple of different takes on those two different disciplines. As I say, sometimes they intersect, so that's why I'm combining them. I don't know that I have an answer for the right way to, to bring it into your game, to actually incorporate it into the game. And this is more of a look at how it is dealt with in a couple of different rules, couple of different options, and possibly just give you ideas on how to manifest it in your own game, should the occasion arise. So first we may as well look at the official rules. In 5e, as I say, there's not really a whole lot to look at at all. The nearest approximation I could find was on page 128 of the Dungeon Master's Guide, which says that the creation of magic items is a lengthy, expensive task. To start, a character must have a formula that describes the construction of the item, the character must also be a spellcaster, 
with spell slots and must be able to cast any spells that the items produce. For example, a third level character could create a magic, a wand of magic missiles, an uncommon item, as long as the character has spell slots and can cast magic missile. That same character could make a plus one weapon, another uncommon item, no particular spell required. It also says that the DM can decide that certain items also require special materials or locations to be created. For example, a character might need alchemist's supplies to brew a particular potion, or the formula for a flame tongue might require that the weapon be forged with lava. And then finally, there's a cost associated to uh, creating magic items. So in order to create a common item for a third level character, 100 gold pieces is required. Rare, 5,000, you must be a 6th level character. Very rare, 50,000 gold pieces for an 11th level character. And then legendary, 500,000 gold pieces for a 17 level character. Obviously not an exact match, and also not very complex. Not a whole lot to sink your teeth into from a player point of view. For the dungeon master, that's beautifully simple. It's really quick, it's got a table associated with it, not a whole lot to think about. If your character, if your player says, I would like to make this kind of poison, then the rule is right there. It, treat it as a magic item, require some special components, take their money, and eventually they craft it. Now, what I was looking for, for one of my players, who was playing a witch specifically, was a little bit more of an interactive method for this to take place. By interactive, I mean I wanted the player to be able to declare during the game that she was looking for herbs along the side of the road or or as they were setting up camp or so on. And for that player to even be able to roll for some chance of finding some herbs, some useful, some useful plant life. And then later for the player to be able to concoct a recipe of what she might do with those herbs and what kind of poison or what kind of potion or what kind of effect those herbs might create. And furthermore, I wanted it to be available to the player during downtime. In other words, when we weren't playing the game, I wanted her to be able to look through a list of herbs and recipes and figure out what she wanted to make and imagine what her character might have found while traveling from one location to the next or while camping during the pause game moments. So of course Pathfinder has some rules for this sort of thing. Again, not quite as much as you might imagine, given that one of the critiques a lot of people have against Pathfinder is that it is very rules heavy. It doesn't really talk about exactly this niche interest of herbalism and alchemy. However, it does in the advanced player guide, which I think you could kind of call the core rulebook part three, if Unchained is part two and core rulebook is part one. So the advanced player guide adds a couple of new base classes to the the, the common ones that the core rulebook provides, the barbarian, bard, cleric, druid, fighter, monk, paladin, ranger, rogue, sorcerer, and wizard. It's 11. So this, the advanced player's guide adds alchemist, cavalier, inquisitor, oracle, summoner, and witch. Uh, which being the class that my player was actually playing. So I took a look at Alchemist, thinking maybe that would incorporate the mechanic that we were looking for. It does and it doesn't. The Alchemist class in the Advanced Rulebook, the Advanced Player's Guide, rather, is is essentially 
a spellcasting class if you read through read between the lines. An alchemist can, as it says, create three special types of magical items: extracts, bombs, and mutagens. Bombs are explosive splash weapons. Mutagens are transformative elixirs that the alchemist drinks to enhance their physical abilities. And extracts, I guess you could generally think of as a scroll. Lots of different ways to use them depending on whether you want someone to drink the the extract that you create or whether you want to to sprinkle it on something or someone and so on. So it's it's a little bit it it's basically a potion in a bottle and how you use it depends on a couple of different things. The way that this is expressed in the game is that bombs can be made by an alchemist any uh you can use the number of bombs you can create and use a number of bombs each day equal to your class level plus intelligence modifier. Instead of preparing a spell, you brew a potion, and the number of potions you are able to have and use per day increments with your level. So at first, uh, well, yeah, at first level, you get a first level potion. You get one first level potion. At second level, you get two first level potions. At three, you get three. And then at fourth, you get three first level potions and one second level potion, and so on. And that, that increments, for instance, at 7th level, you, you, you upgrade to the ability to have one third level. And then at, I think it's 10th level, you, you go up to 4th level potions and so on, all the way up to 6th level potions. Pathfinder 2 is similar but different. A lot of the alchemy things that you do have been moved into a feat that you gain at specific levels. So you don't gain... You don't have a spell or a, a potion chart the way that you do in Pathfinder, in, in Pathfinder Original. You, you, you simply increment the things that you can do depending on your level. There are a bunch of different variations that you can take. You can get an inventor feat so that you can create your own recipes. You can discover more recipes for other, for other alchemical effects and, and brew those potions or, or rather craft those those potions. It seems to be open for a lot of creativity, a lot of expansion. It seems like it'd be a lot of fun to play, and you could really get into designing your own alchemical concoctions, but that's not exactly the feel that I was going for. So I did a little bit more digging around, and I found two really good resources online. One is a class, a base class, developed by a company called Interjection Games. They came up with the Herbalist base class, which is available from Paizo.com, from, from their store on their site. It's, it's, not, it's not a Paizo product, but it is being sold through their store. It bases itself around what it calls biomes. The biomes are regions of, of a planet where you would find a collection of specific types of plants. So if you are in one kind of biome, then you can expect to find certain shrubs and flowers, whereas if you're in a different kind of biome, maybe you'll find more uh, fungus and, and mosses and so on. It defines a couple of different biomes across about eight pages. It's got a recipe book with 22 recipes in it, and an herb log defining all the different kinds of herbs that you can find and use in, in, in the recipes. It's a really good system. I'm quite impressed with it, and I do highly recommend it. It is $7.50, I think, on the, on the Paizo store. 
it is delivered as a PDF, but it it's it's got everything that you can that you would associate with with someone rummaging through the plant life of the uh, of an area and coming up with these 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 potions or concoctions that then have some kind of effect. The other one that I found and and that's open game license. The other one that I found has no real definition of its license. It's on the it's from DM's Guild, so it is by default, as far as I understand, uh, it defaults to the contributor, the the community license, which means that you can use it for your personal use. That said, it's it's not really all that groundbreaking. It's just a bunch of legwork that they've done, so that you don't have to. And and in that sense, it is quite quite useful. It is about twelve pages of of work and. The, the work does kind of combine alchemy and herbalism in ways that, for instance, Pathfinder would not. I think in the Pathfinder system, since the alchemist is a base class, either, either in the Advanced Player's Guide or if you're going to play Pathfinder 2 at some point, then it'll be just in the core rulebook itself. Since it is a base class, I feel like it treats it very specifically, knowing that there needs to be both, you know, damage and maybe boosting and, and certain different, you know, different kinds of, of powers provided by that class. Whereas in this document, which is written and, 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 and geared towards 5th edition, it, it, it treats it more like an add-on. It, it does not assume that you are playing an herbalist class or an alchemist class. You are simply someone who engages in this activity. And that really is kind of what I was looking for. More like the gym socketing thing, where it's sort of a mini-game within the larger game. And that's what this provides uh, provides in the, in the PDF. So there is an Appendix A, which is the ingredients list. It's funny that it calls itself the appendix, because actually this, that, that, for me, is the main meat of this PDF. It has a, a list of various kinds of of plant life how common or uncommon it is and then any detail that it has for instance here's blood grass it's a common plant and its details say that it is special potion effect can combine with any other potion effect ingredient to become a food source for one day cannot be altered by other ingredients something like dried ephedra Uncommon is a potion modifier. Increases the dice type by one size for any healing effect. In the list, there are potion ingredients and poison ingredients, specifically. And then there's a plant life ingredient descriptor. A couple of pages going over the, the specifics of everything in that in that chart. So it's, it's quite a lot of information to work with. And I can see someone, a player especially, digging into that and sort of assembling recipes and ideas from these raw ingredients, which I think is really kind of what I was looking for. So that's pretty neat. And then there's Appendix B is the uh, the same ingredient list, but by by ecosystem. So that would, in, in effect, that mimics the idea of biomes in the herbalist base class add-on by Interjection Games for, for Pathfinder. The preamble of the document then, if that's Appendix A and B, the preamble discusses how to perform herbalism, how, how, does, it, 
how do you integrate it into your game and uh, what you can do with the things that you create, how you, are they sellable, what are they going for, and so on. In practice, this, this system, this little mini-system, occurs in this way. The player, ideally, will take note of the environment that they are in, and they refer to this document to see what kind of plant life is around. They pick and choose what they want to find because they know what potion they want to end up creating. So they can they can announce that they're going to gather ingredients. They roll a DC 15 herbalism check. Now, there is no herbalism check in D&D. In Pathfinder, you could use the profession herbalism skill, or just use your int or whiz modifier. And you would add any kind of proficiency bonus that you get from using an herbalism kit or in Pathfinder, whatever kind of bonus that you might have from, from an herbalism kit or some related feat, whatever. Point is, if you beat DC 15, you find 1d4 of the ingredients that you were looking for. The document says to, I think, limit the opportunity to do this to 2 to 3 times per session, I think I would probably just define it as a once per long rest. You, you roll once to see if you find components throughout the day. In practice, it hasn't actually come up. The player that is using this system just hasn't tried to re-roll a dozen times until they get the, the ingredients. It's just, I guess it's an unspoken understanding. It just kind of makes sense, I guess. And usually our sessions are pretty short anyway, so it, 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 it ends up being once per session, which typically how we play, it's, it, that's basically like saying once per long rest. There are also rules for how to manage this during downtime, as a, as a downtime activity. And I do intend to try that out at some point, but again, in practice, the way that that's actually happened is that the literal downtime, like between game sessions, the player has has looked over recipes and ingredients and hasn't actually stated that she has gathered ingredients and she gathers only during the game sessions. There is an allowance for gathering during downtime, character downtime, and that is for the DM to roll a d100, add three times the character level while trying to beat a 75 to determine whether or not the ingredients have been gathered at all during downtime. The nice thing about the system, though, is that after gathering ingredients, the player needs to identify the ingredients. And I, I, I do it such that if they're common ingredients, then the character recognizes them immediately. But if they're uncommon, if they're declared uncommon, then the player must beat a DC 10 plus the DC difficulty of the ingredient, which is listed in the table in, in Appendix A. And if the player fails the roll, then the ingredient is unrecognized, but it can still be incorporated into a potion. It's just it, it adds an element of, for lack of a better term, wild magic. There, there will be some unexpected property of this potion now. If the player surpasses the DC check, by five or more, then everything is known about that ingredient, uh, including what it can be used for and maybe where to find wh where it typically grows and so on. Of course, potions is a big term, and so you have to kind of define what they're going to do. And I have found, again, in practice with the one player that I've used this on, that the, 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 the player kind of defines the typical use of, of what she is creating. So... It's not to say that 
if I were to give her new ideas, she wouldn't take them. But so far, the player has kind of used them in the way that she sort of imagines she would be using the potions that she is concocting. Which, in other words, has mostly been poisons to enhance weapons, sometimes uh, clouds of poison or, or healing potions. That's pretty much what it's been. Hasn't thought of the bomb splash effect idea yet, or anything fancier than that. And that's fine. I'm, I'm letting it sort of develop as it goes. But according to this document, the different kinds of potions would be ingested, inhaled, or, of course, topical. I'm letting the player define what kind of potion she has created, knowing full well that that will affect the way that the potion is effective. In other words, if she states that she's creating a poison to enhance a weapon, then that particular concoction that she's created is only going to be useful if an attack hits. It's not going to do anything if, if you take a swing and a miss. Whereas a cloud of smoke will be treated more like a magic spell, where the poison DC becomes 8 plus your alchemy modifier, where alchemy modifier is whatever your intelligence or your wisdom or your profession herbalism or whatever you're using for that, that modifier. All in all, this has added a really creative dimension to the game. It has opened up this whole new world of creativity for the player. She has been able to, to realize her witch character as not just someone who places hexes on people and is basically a spellcaster with some really uniquely flavored magical spells, but she can also wander around during the game and gather, gather herbs and and plants, and fungi, and moss, and all those sorts of things, and put them together into very interesting and unique potions. And it's been a kind of a collaborative, almost improvisational kind of collaboration, because it's whatever I might think of in the moment that she has found a certain plant, she might come up with a use for it that I would have never thought of. I just thought I was describing an interesting plant. But then the player comes up with an interesting property that it might have, that it sounds like it might have from my description, and, and therefore it becomes this, this specific new plant that we've invented, if, if, which she uses in a potion that certainly I would have never never thought to invent myself. So it's been a lot of fun. So that, that's, that's as far as I've gotten with herbalism and alchemy as an add-on. I think... I definitely like it as an add-on rather than as a base class. I can see it as a base class, and I can really see it... I mean, I, I see it as a base class because people have written them. But I, I could see myself even playing either of the base classes, Alchemist or Herbalist from Interjection Games. I think they're both great classes. I think they sound like a lot of fun to play. It's sort of like a wizard monk or a monk wizard in the sense that you have a spellcaster to whom any object is a potential spell. And I mean, that's what a monk is, right? A to, to the fighter. The monk is a fighter to whom any object can be a weapon. This herbalist, or this alchemist maybe, is basically a spellcaster to whom any object can become an improvised spell component. And I like that. I do like that idea. For everyone else who doesn't want to necessarily make that the entire character, this is a really good way, this, this add-on herbalism method, is a really good way to make it a mini-game within the larger game. It helps develop ideas, it helps keep players invested in the world that you're building around them, it brings them into it, it brings them into the creation process, and 
and it keeps them entertained. They they seem to like it, so that's what I've been doing. You can find this this document to, to which I have been referring, uh, the the add-on document, and I'll I'll put sh- links in the show notes for all the other the, all of the, the 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 documents. But but this one specifically that I've been using is Herbalism and Alchemy. It is specifically a fan-made supplement, version 1.2, and that is important because the earlier versions had some balancing issues. It's by a user named Dalagrath. It is available on DriveThruRPG, so you can find it there, or maybe it was DM's Guild, actually. One of those two, it's, it's basically the same same store, different storefronts. Well worth it. I think it was free, if, I, if I'm recalling correctly. I'll put links to the interjection game, Herbalist Class, and anything else in the show notes. Thanks for listening. If you have other Herbalist... I know I've seen lots of Herbalist classes out there, or rather Herbalist systems out there. They're, they're kind of a dime a dozen. This was the best one, as I said, that I could find that could be treated as an add-on system, rather than making it the defining characteristic of of a player character. But if you have other options, if you have something that you've used in your games, let me know. I'm I'm really interested in this sort of thing. Once again, one of my favorite games, Kingdoms of Amalur, had a really great herbal uh, herbalist system whereby you could find ingredients and then discover recipes and you could develop your skills and then you would find more recipes. I really liked that and I love having it in my D&D game open to hearing other systems and other methods that you might be using in your own. I think that's everything I've got, so thanks for listening. I'll talk to you next time. That's it for this week's episode. Thank you very much for listening. My name is Klaatu. You can reach me uh, via email at klaatu at member.fsf.org. You can also usually catch me in IRC as not Clatu. I'm on the Freenode Network. Thank you very much for listening, and I'll talk to you next time.